1: Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with John Miller. John is the Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Demandbase and a legend in the ABM space. He co-founded Marketo, which was acquired by Adobe in 2018, and Engagio, which was acquired by Demandbase in 2020. On this episode, John unpacks the next evolution of account-based marketing. The key reasons why sales and marketing aren't always aligned and the importance of establishing customer-centric marketing and demand gen teams. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at qualified.com.
1: So please enjoy this interview between John Miller, Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Demandbase, And your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today, I am joined by a very special guest. John Miller, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks for calling me special.
1: You're very special and and one of (laughs) truly uh, the great marketers of our time. So uh, I'm excited to have you. It has been forever since we chatted, career changes and and lifetimes ago. And so super excited to chat deep into everything demand-based today and uh, and talk about marketing and ABM as well. So, let's get into it. Do you have a first job in demand gen?
0: Most people will not believe this, but the first time I actually formally did demand generation was the CMO of Marketo. You know, cuz I had sort of been running product marketing organizations, you know, earlier in my career. And so, yeah, starting Marketo was the first time I actually owned that responsibility. We're going
1: to get into that in a little bit here, um, because boy, have you got a, a crash course in, in all things demand over the years. Okay, so but flash forward to today, you founded Engageo, you were acquired by Demandbase. Tell us a little bit about your current role at Demandbase.
0: Yeah, well, so as we just mentioned, I was one of the founders at Marketo, and I helped to build the demand gen engine there. You know, I learned a lot about demand gen, but also, I think, helped to kind of help drive how people thought about demand gen, you know, through that era. And one of the things I learned over that time was that, you know, there are different kinds of demand gen that are appropriate for kind of different styles of going to market. Uh, One of those, you know, sort of ultimately became known as account-based marketing. And so, you know, I left Marketo after nine years to start Engageo in 2015, To focus on kind of this other problem, kind of proactively going after accounts. So five years of Engageo, we built a pretty cool platform and a a good business. But then in 2020, I sort of got really enthralled by the vision of combining Engageo and Demandbase together. The two platforms... Form such a perfect synergy. And so we did merge the companies to build, I think, the most complete account-based platform. I spent 2020 as the chief product officer really helping to sort of drive the integration of the two solutions, which I'm really proud of how well we got that done. And then at the very beginning of this year, I took over as CMO because it's fun to sort of be able to go to market and, and, and market a really complete solution to marketing folks and sales folks.
1: And as part of that shift, obviously, you know, COVID and everything happens along the way there, marketing fundamentally changes uh, overnight with the events and a bit, essentially a large chunk of demand and demand gen budgets and how we think about this also changing. So I'm sure that being a, uh, you know, chief product officer and looking at all those things holistically, uh, you probably saw a bunch of uh, crazy, you know, use cases and different things that, that we'd, we'd never seen before.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, COVID had a couple of big factors, you know, that affected demand gen, especially from demand basis perspective. You know, one is people are working from home, so anything that was sort of trying to identify people based on, upon their IP addresses, that got a little wonky for a few months. The good news is actually, you know, we just keep getting better at it, and now actually, our, our ability to identify is even better than it was before COVID. But the other thing that I think was really interesting is just how many people really embraced digital and display advertising in a big way during COVID because we still had budgets and we still had pipeline goals to meet, but historically events were the number one thing people were spending money on and those went away. And so marketers, I think, were pretty desperate to kind of find other things they could apply that budget to to still generate pipeline. And turns out, you know, display ads worked for a lot of our customers so we saw a really massive increase in that business in the post-COVID era.
1: Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. What does demand base do? What is the accounts that you're targeting? Uh, What are the types of companies that you work with?
0: Fundamentally, we are helping companies to accelerate their go to market. And we do that first by providing really comprehensive account intelligence. So they can identify which are the right accounts, which ones are in market and ready to buy, what technologies they're using, what they should say. And then we help companies then activate that intelligence by orchestrating interactions across the technologies they already have, advertising, providing that intelligence to the sales team, you know, and so on. So that's sort of what we're doing. The, you know, so account-based marketing ends up being a piece of that, but not the whole thing. We're serving both the mid-market and enterprise companies and then B2B industries like technology, financial services, manufacturing, and healthcare. You know, our ideal customer has at least a little bit of sophistication. You know, they, they already own market automation, you know, and they're sort of looking for, okay, how do I then accelerate my go-to-market and, and do better, just not how do I put the basics into place. Maybe as a result of that or correlated to that, we tend to be very highly differentiated in the enterprise. Some of the largest and most sophisticated marketers out there are using demand base, and that's uh, an area where we're really strong.
1: Who are the personas in terms of the marketing persona and the sales persona?
0: Yeah, I mean, the go-to-market is is a large set of space to cover. So our personas on the marketing side vary, right? So we work a lot with marketing operations because technology and data and all that kind of stuff is a big part of what we do. But we also work with field marketing because we're orchestrating account-based plays and we also work with digital marketing you know because we are the b2b display advertising solution obviously cmos get involved in metrics and analytics and things like that on the sales side you know we're really providing intelligence to the sales team to help them sell more effectively and so you know you're going to see we're going to be talking to sdrs and sdr leaders helping them to sort of focus their time their prospecting time giving them contacts letting them kind of kick off sequences and cadences, work directly with sales reps, giving them intelligence about their accounts. And then sales operations gets involved too in terms of things like selecting target accounts and prioritizing segments and tiers and things like that. So that is a challenge, having so many different personas that we speak to. Arguably, it's easier from a demand generation perspective because you can run targeted campaigns. It's actually harder from a branding perspective how do you sort of build a brand that speaks to so many people without watering it down.
1: And I'm curious, you know, when you when you have a, a go to market suite like you have, you know, that that has these these four different sections. This, you know, account based experience, advertising, sales intelligence, and data. You know, you have seen obviously tons of demand over the years for one or two or three of those. And now, you know, putting all this stuff together, as you mentioned, what you what you got so enamored with was like, imagine if Engageo and, and demand base were together. It gives you this this end to end approach. I'm just curious, like, how kind of Transformative is it to have all of that stuff under one roof?
0: Well, it's interesting. So, I mean, I've, and you see, I think different different approaches from different segments of the market. You know, so for like a, a mid market company actually tends to really like the fact that they can kind of one stop shop it. You know, with us, you know, they can come to us, they can get their account based platform, they can get their advertising, they can get their data. The convergence of the data and the platforms is a big trend that we can probably talk more about, but. But that's something that is absolutely happening in, in the industry. So it is very powerful for the mid-market. Flip side is you go to the enterprise. That tends to be much more of a mix and match world where some of these really, really big companies who use us, you know, they have teams of data scientists. They build their own data lakes. And they've got kind of all sorts of segmentation and scoring that's happening separately. And they're never going to give that to a vendor. Right. But they want to act. First of all, they want to buy our data to feed into their data lakes. And they want to activate the stuff they're doing, perhaps with advertising. And so the mix and match becomes really, really important. And, And that's, you know, it's not dissimilar from Salesforce, you know, for example. I mean, the solutions work together and they nicely work together. But some people absolutely are going to buy just one or a few.
1: Do you have customers that, um, Oh, hey, I want to buy the marketing solution or I want to buy this for sales. And the sales and marketing teams aren't aligned on this stuff. Or is it mostly, you know, that go to market team, that chief revenue officer, and that chief marketing officer are a hundred percent aligned on like this is how we this is how we want to go to market? It?
0: I mean, we absolutely see point purchasing. You know, we might have a sales team that's just buying us for contact data for the prospecting, and they may not even be doing account based marketing. And that happens. Or maybe they're using a competitor for their ABM solution. You know that happens. You know where it's a little bit more dangerous is if you have a marketing team that goes and tries to buy an ABM platform without any alignment from sales. You know, like if all you're focusing on is the advertising, you can sort of successfully do that without too much involvement with sales. But if you're really going to try to do true account-based strategies, that's got to get a little bit more marketing and sales coordination which does tend to then again bias towards slightly more sophisticated companies
1: and do, where do you kind of feel like what like inning are we in in terms of abm like quote-unquote catching on because I, it seems like you know when we were talking uh, five years ago it was like kind of you know new-ish uh people were still kind of trying to figure it out now it seems like every marketer at least understands this to a certain point it's whether or not they're kind of using it right
0: Totally. I mean, I, I like to look back to sort of the evolution of marketing automation as an analogy. I mean, when we started Marketo uh, in say, you know, two thousand six or so, marketing automation was really early. People were still just figuring out what it is. You know, what did they need in a solution? People were assembling together lots of different point pieces to kind of make make their technologies work. By two thousand nine or so, two thousand ten though, marketing automation started to become much more mainstream. You know, there were a couple of main platforms in Marketo and Eloqua. You saw Pardot starting and HubSpot starting to emerge. You know, so people kind of knew, all right, this is what the platform does. And it started to become less about, should I buy one and more, which one should I buy? I think we're about at that point with ABM today. You know, so it's been around for a few years. A couple of years ago, people were mixing matching point solutions to kind of assemble their stacks. But today, a few major platforms have evolved or emerged. You know, there's demand base, there's six Sense, there's Terminus for the lower end of the market. Partly because of that, I think ABN platforms are increasingly moving to the same situation of, it's not, should I get one? It's which one should I get? If you go back to marketing automation again, what happens next is you start seeing the emergence of experts. You know, you start seeing people who've used the platforms and really know how to make them rock. They get certified, they get hired because they know how to use the platforms. Agencies start evolving, you know, as kind of experts in working with these platforms and solutions. And then over time, ecosystems and other companies build up around kind of the core platforms. So that's still ahead of us for account-based marketing. So put all that together, fourth inning, maybe. And
1: so what's next from this, you know, what's what's so funny is like, there's, I'm sure that you're, I don't know what we wouldn't call them like super users, but you know, you're, you have customers that are, you know, like our our good buddy Chandar who uses this stuff to a T and knows exactly what to do, knows exactly how to run plays, knows exactly what ABM is doing. And you have other folks that obviously like, you know, aren't quite at that point, but like what do the absolute best of the best, how do they, how do they use ABM? How do they use demand base?
0: Well, you know, I recently published my book, which is The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Experience. And, you know, I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. You know, one was to introduce the concept of account-based experience as sort of a best practice in how to run account-based strategies. And then two, I wrote it to kind of share the best practices I saw across all the customers. You know, and like, so if you really want to sort of, you know, learn how do I do this stuff great you know what what are the what are the ways i should select my accounts and engage with them and measure results the book kind of is meant to kind of codify all that you know but the thread that runs through these best practices is this concept of account-based experience um and it's the concept of really understanding where the account is in its journey and applying all that account intelligence that you have to not treat every account the same, but to really interact with them in a way that's going to be relevant and appropriate for where they are in their journey. That's absolutely a key theme to how the best companies are doing this.
1: It's interesting, you know, we talk about kind of this like rise of customer success, the rise of customer experience being important. And and I know that these words kind of like feel like buzzwords at times, but but it really does like an, an account base, experiences is, is a great way to look at this because I think you're exactly right that at the end of the day, like we used to just kind of treat what was, what the sales rep was saying as kind of like the gospel truth of like, this is where the account is and we'll just trust their notes that like, this is where it is, uh, or trust their your conversations. And now we have data that says like, Hey, I hear you, you know, sales rep that this is what you're saying. But at the same time, like, they've downloaded these four different, you know, white papers, they've done this, this and this, they've done all of these activities, they've, you know, been coming to this, you know, these events, it seems like they're in a different place than you think they are. And our intent shows that, you know, that they are, you know, probably, you know, trying to figure out how to make a make a purchase here sometime soon. And you're saying that they're not necessarily ready. That type of stuff kind of feels like it's, it's shifting a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say power, but just like a little bit more, um, you know, data towards the marketer's hands to be able to say, like, "Hey, in these large enterprise type sales, marketing still has a super important place to be." Other, like after when you pass someone the lead, and I think that that's like a total fundamental shift in like lifecycle marketing, uh, and and then even past sale into upsells and things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, although I guess I I don't really think of the data as marketing-only data. You know, I mean, I, I think of all these kind of different forms of account intelligence, which is both first-party intelligence, like you're talking about, have they come to the website, have they downloaded things, but also have they sent emails and attended meetings, as well as third-party data. Things like intent and te- what technologies are they using and contact information, all that kind of stuff. I think all that account intelligence is really owned by marketing and sales. And it's actually one of the most important things is when you get marketing and sales, looking at the same data is, to me, one of the most important factors for driving alignment. We've all seen this, right? You know, when when sales and marketing are having trouble aligning, it's almost always because they're looking at different data. And so I actually think everything you're talking about is just a force for good uh, in terms of of getting everybody on the same page by sharing the data.
1: You don't think that it's kind of necessarily mutually exclusive, that it's like the marketer has more power, the salesperson has, you know, whatever. That basically it's this kind of everyone has more access to more information, to more data. And and it's this kind of more collaborative approach to intelligence about the account. So what what is the next evolution of this phase? Like, where do we go from here?
0: Well, I think there's a couple of big trends that are kind of happening that are, you know, in, in demand generation. I, I alluded to one a little earlier, and that's, you know, kind of just the rise, you know, the convergence of data with the different marketing solutions. You know, I mean, if you think about five years ago or 10 years ago, when you bought your Marketo, you know, you would never have expected Marketo to come with any data, right? You then would go somebody else and you buy your contacts or you buy your information. You know, but fast forward to today, what you're seeing is first of all you see Zoom Info, which has sort of really become a powerhouse uh, as a data provider. They're trying to kind of move into the workflow side of the house with acquisitions of a couple of different companies. DemandBase we acquired Inside View and Demand Matrix. That way we can sort of be the leading provider of contacts, sales intelligence, technographics to augment our existing intent data. Sixth Sense just recently acquired Slintel. And so you see this kind of just convergence of workflow and data vendors. And I think the reason why that's happening is because, you know, we know AI is super important to sort of help us to identify accounts and figure out the next best action. But the thing is, the algorithms are pretty commoditized. You know, anybody can go download open source machine learning. You can get it from Amazon, Google Cloud Services, et cetera. What's really differentiating the ability to make good, high-quality predictions is the quality of the data. And I think that's why you sort of see this sort of shifting of of the sands in terms of of how the vendors are competing. And I think you'll continue to see that. And I think that's going to be good for people doing demand gen because what it means is easier and more integrated access to data. The other big trend that is happening, Forrester's been writing about this a lot more vocally in just the last few weeks, is the upcoming convergence between uh, account-based platforms and marketing automation platforms. You know today, it's kind of annoying. You've, you've got to buy a marketo and a demand base. And you know you have these different systems for your different go-to market strategies. You have one for your traditional lead-based demand gen another one for your more account-based outbound programs. But it doesn't make sense. And so fundamentally, what you need is a system that provides that comprehensive account intelligence, including information about the people at the accounts, the ability to orchestrate those interactions across channels and then measure the results, regardless of whether it's lead-based or account-based. I think that's the world's absolutely headed in that direction.
1: It's so interesting that you talked about kind of like this, like it's almost like it's two different schools of thought, like lead based and account based. Do you think that it it needs to be that way? I mean, it's obviously you're kind of answering the question there, but are there like, do there need to be two types of of marketers or should this just be, you know, in the future, is this just going to be synonymous at this point? It's just, it's just all marketing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I do think that there are, Different kinds of go-to-market motions that are appropriate for different types of deals and different price points. You know, if you're selling a five thousand dollar a year product-led growth e-commerce subscription, you know you're probably not going to be doing a lot of very expensive direct mail to Cxo who's at your target accounts. Go very end of the other side, you're Accenture, and you're trying to sell a half billion dollar a year or renew a half-billion-dollar-a-year consulting contract, guaranteed you're going one-to-one in a highly human and personalized you know, set of interactions. So the, really, it's this spectrum you know, across different kinds of go-to-markets based on different deal sizes. What ultimately I think is needed is, well, from the technology side, is a technology that sort of supports your different go-to-market motions, right? Because it just doesn't make sense to have to have those be all fragmented You know, and in terms of marketers, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's more about aligning how you structure your teams to go after different business segments than it is about structuring your teams to use different styles of marketing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what we hear a lot of on this show? We hear a lot of marketers that come on that had PLG, product-led growth, for their first however long, and then they add, and then they're adding, they're going up market. they're going to have you know more enterprise accounts, and then they need to build an ABM capacity because they didn't have the team. They don't have the marketers. They don't have that stuff. They have PLG marketers. They have growth marketers. They have performance marketers, but they don't have that other piece because they're you know a growing you know just raised whatever hundred million bucks and they're they're trying to figure that piece out. Is that something that like and that that speaks to like you know this kind of like secondary need if you're if you're changing go to market like they're still going to obviously have an extremely strong product like led growth engine but they also need to build this other capacity. Is that kind of like that that sort of thing where if you have them both in the same company that you just need to be able to build kind
0: of both of those? Yeah, absolutely. You need the ability to sort of run different go to market motions if you have asps that sort of span a wide range, you know as we've been talking about. The nuance just, you know, that I'm trying to sort of make the point is you know, if you just think about it from an org structure, I don't recommend a, a an org structure that has, hey, this is my ABM team and this is my demand gen team and this is my PLG team. Instead, you know, be customer focused, right? Maybe you have a here's your SMB team, and here's your mid-market team, and here's your enterprise team. Or maybe you don't have three, maybe you only have two, whatever's appropriate kind of for your business. And then those teams should be using whatever is the right go to market strategies to reach, you know, the segments that you're trying to go after, you know, so it's just a little bit more of a blended customer centric view.
1: I love it. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think that that is, that's exactly how to look at it. And I think that that's kind of what we tend to not see a little bit. Is, is this like, hey, well, we're doing things one way and then we're adding this other thing rather than kind of thinking it from the from the customer backwards at times. Okay, so switching gears, let's get to our next segment, the playbook.
0: This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello, you play to win the game.
1: This is where you talk about those tactics that help you win. Uh, I know you see a lot of tactics and you are CMO again, running these tactics. So what are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items?
0: Well, I mean, first off, I've always been just an advocate of content as sort of just your your foundation of kind of everything you're doing go-to-market. You know, ungated as well as occasionally under the right conditions, gated content. You know, but it's just so important, I think, to sort of establish your brand as an expert and thought leader. Content will always be kind of one of my kind of just go-to's that sort of are you know sort of forming the foundation of everything that I'm doing. Second, every company I've worked at, Marketo and now DemandBase, when we do our multi-touch attribution webinars stand out on top as kind of just the best ROI programs. You know, and that's both stuff we run ourselves, but also even paid webinars with other people. I'm going to keep doing them as long as they keep working as well as they do. The third may be a little bit more surprising, and that's just your SDRs. You know, not everybody thinks of SDRs necessarily as, you know, demand gen channel per se, you know, but I think that when an SDR is doing it right, and they're not just sending out RoboSpan, but they're really sending good, well-crafted, personalized messages, it makes such a difference because it's the human touch. And I really do think that in the world where there is so much digital and scalable things, the human touch really matters.
1: How do you view your website?
0: Uh, well, you know, websites. Well, <laughs> I'm currently working on a uh, rebrand. So I mostly view my website in the context of what am I going to change, you know, in order to sort of convey to the world, this is a new demand base. <laughs> Expect lots of changes coming in terms of kind of how I view my website. But a couple kind of nuances. We've been investing a ton recently in the content section of our site. So we've just you know launched a whole new, really pretty awesome resource center. And just a couple of weeks ago before that, we launched something called DBTV, or Demand-Based Television. At the time, and a couple other people have introduced stuff too, but at the time, it was the industry's first B2B streaming site. And so, you know, one, just the website is a repository for all of our amazing content. You know, another thing that we've been working on on our website a lot is creating personalized experiences based on where the account is in its journey. So we sort of talked earlier about understanding, hey, is this account we're interested in, but they barely know who we are, versus is this an account that we're calling a marketing qualified account or MQA? They're in market, they're looking to buy, versus this is an account that's an open opportunity, or is this a customer? And so we're using our own technology to recognize when these visitors are on the site. And then personalizing the experience. We're personalizing the offers. We're using Qualified to personalize the conversations we're having with them. All targeted around where what's the right messages and the right conversation to have with this account based on where they are in their journey.
1: Let's get to our next segment, the dust-up.
0: Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard
1: that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a
0: wild scrum with fights breaking out all
1: over the place. And it is getting. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitor, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career, John?
0: You know, I think, yeah, I was thinking about this. If I go back to the Marketo days, we had a board member who was an amazing board member who really believed heavily in category creation, rightly so, <laughs> and was kind of pushing us to kind of evolve how we talked about what we did from not just marketing automation, but to something else. And, you know, we sort of landed ultimately on a phrase that we called revenue performance management, you know, or RPM, the more strategic way to talk about the solution that wasn't just kind of marketing automation. You know, I was running demand gen, but sort of the corporate marketing team and there was a new CRO who'd come in, they led the creation of this like ridiculously cool new website. And it really was cool. I mean, you went to it, it looked like no website you've ever seen before to kind of introduce the concept of RPM and all that kind of cool stuff. And almost instantly, my demand gen numbers started plummeting, you know, with, when, when this new website launched. You know, our inbound increase went down. Even the performance of our paid programs got worse. And after a couple months of like, shit, I'm missing, we're missing our numbers here. You know, we were able to kind of figure out that like just this website wasn't working and RPM wasn't working. And we had to sort of pivot really fast, you know, and we basically hard tacked back to marketing automation, back to, you went to a normal homepage, you went to it and it was a big picture of a computer screen. We are a software company, buy our technology, you know, and because the other one, you didn't know if you we were an agency or what. So that was a big challenge, you know, to kind of, you know, put so much energy and effort into launching this concept of RPM and then having to kind of switch gears and kind of backtrack back to marketing automation.
1: Do you have a favorite campaign that you've uh, had over the years?
0: Lots of cool ones, you know, where it's like, oh, really personalized or whatnot. But you know, I'm just going to go back to all the content that my my definitive guides and my clear and complete guides. I mean, at Marketo, we wrote I think eight definitive guides. Engageo over the years, I had three clear and complete guides. And base. I just wrote, as I mentioned, they're our first clear and complete guide. There's something about these just like big, meaty, definitive pieces of content that at least historically for me have you know really helped to kind of put the concept and the company on the map and like it just it's so it just teaches people how to do it and if you get some if you kind of can teach somebody how to do it you've i think you've built a fan you know for life so definitely definitely the guides would be my favorite
1: what about uh biggest learning experience other than uh other than the uh (laughs) Cool-looking <laughs> website and uh, and and category that didn't that didn't necessarily match. Any other uh, biggest learning experiences in terms of campaigns.
0: Uh, yeah, we had a uh, just this a recent one. We had a trade show we were sponsoring back in July, very end of July. And I mean, gosh, you fast you know rewired a couple months to May, late May. You know, I'd gotten vaccinated. Things looked like they were kind of getting better when it c- comes to COVID. And I was like, put me on a plane. I'm ready to travel. I'm ready to go places. I think other people are too. You know, like it's time. Like let's start to really embrace in person. So we put this big sponsorship for this event in place. I was signed up to give one of the keynotes. And then you fast forward to the, oh, we you know, we had meeting rooms booked. We had all the whole in-person event ready to rock. And then like a week or so before it, you see Delta cases rising and I and the team was just like, we just don't feel comfortable, you know, going to like an in-person inside event. And so we 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 basically just didn't didn't go, you know, so we didn't have the room staff, we didn't have the booth staff. We ended up pre-recording my keynote and then they just, they moved it to the last session the last day. So they ended up just like playing a video of me talking in a room with like three people sitting on their laptops, like while the video was playing. So, you know, needless to say, the event did not deliver a good ROI. And, um, you know, I guess the the, the lesson learned is, you know, don't try to go in person too soon, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, let's get to our quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like conversational marketing with Qualified. Qualified Prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. Cooking and easy, just like these questions. John, are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, if you weren't in marketing or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: My wife has her own shoe business. I'll give it a plug. It's called Bells and Vex. They're sort of you know comfortable, but you're really chic and cool. Uh, you know, women's footwear, handmade in Italy. So I would be helping her to build and scale that business. Awesome. Which I guess is still marketing, but not the way we're thinking about it.
1: And still business, but I, I'll allow it. That's really rad. Um, what do you do for fun?
0: Well, I've got kind of two hobbies that I've kind of picked up and sort of got amplified during COVID. Uh, the first is started doing yoga almost every day, sometimes in the morning, sometimes the way to end the day. But that's just, I'm not particularly flexible, but it's still kind of doing wonders, I think, to help prevent the decline of old age. And it also helps to sort of balance out my other hobby, which is I'm really into cocktails. And I have greatly expanded both my bar and my cocktail game over the last couple of months.
1: Do you have a TV show or podcast or, or book that you've been checking out recently?
0: Oh, recently, uh, I think like most people, I'm enjoying Ted Lasso, you know, because like everybody else says, it's kind of, you know, it's fun and positive. I think The best thing I watched in the last couple of years or months or so is uh, Watchmen. You know, on HBO, that was a really good miniseries.
1: I know. I can't believe that they're not going to keep going. It's just crazy. It's so good.
0: I know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But probably not.
1: What would your best advice be for a CMO who's trying to figure out their demand gen strategy?
0: You know, the first thing I'd say is you've got to take into account your brand and your product market fit. And I think most demand gen people don't think about this enough. You know, but, you know, if you if your company's brand isn't where it needs to be or you don't have great product market fit, you can have the greatest demand strategy in the world. You can run amazing programs, have killer SDRs, do everything right. And you're just going to be facing headwinds every step of the way. And the flip is true. I mean, how many, com- you know, marketers are at a company that just happens to have amazing product market fit, you know, and then everybody thinks they're like the most brilliant marketer ever. I was talking to one CMO whose solution was a very right solution for the right time during COVID and they grew 700% during COVID and everybody thought he's like, oh my God, you're such an amazing marketer. And then like this need for that kind of stopped and like now they can't grow the business and now all of a sudden he's a dog and like they can't do anything. So really that's the first piece is like make sure you understand and your company understands these factors that affect with headwinds or tailwinds all of your demand gen. And then the other piece of advice I have, we sort of talked about earlier, which is make sure your demand gen strategies are the right ones for your deal size, the types of, you know, the types of deals that you're doing, because it's so different. And if you, you know, if you're a PLG person and all of a sudden you're now in an enterprise, the tactics you're used to working, using aren't going to be the right ones and vice versa. It's about the right tactics for the right deals.
1: John? It's been awesome having you on the show. Obviously, our listeners, uh, go check out Demandbase. If you haven't already, demandbase.com. Any final thoughts here? Any Anything to plug?
0: Well, I mentioned my book a couple of times. So you know you can get that for free, actually, at demandbase.com slash guide. But it's not your regular ebook. This thing is 250 pages. Don't read it in one sitting. But it, I, I do think it's valuable and worth your time.
1: Yeah, check it out. The Clear and Complete Guide to account based experience everything john's john writes it it, is gold so uh i'm excited to check it out as well Um, definitely uh, go to demandbase.com guide john awesome having you on the show great catching up and we'll talk soon
0: demand gen visionaries is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way b2b companies sell go to qualified.com to learn more